Hello and welcome to The Zenden, the podcast channel that illuminates a genderless dialogue. I am your host, Dimitri Pinotis, and with me today is Kirsten from Health Systems Go. Together, we unpack the mechanics of the body and living organically. Good morning, Kirsten. Welcome to The Zenden. Thank you for having me. No worries. Um, you know, it's when I was putting this podcast together, you were one of the first person, the first people that came to mind to invite onto the show. Um, and the reason being was due to the experiences that we shared recently at the retreat, um, which we'll get into a little bit later. But as a whole, your openness and gratitude is quite evident um, when spending time with you. So, yeah, welcome. Oh, that's so nice to hear. It's great to hear when people reflect on yourself. Um, thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to share some thoughts and some um, adventures and experiences of mine. So let's get into it. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, we spoke briefly before the podcast and um, we touched on a few little things. But the one thing that really interested me that you brought up was about the subtle voice. Um, mm. And, you know, that little voice inside we often refer to as the gut feeling. Um, and, yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear your, your thoughts on that. Yeah. Um, it goes all the way back through for me at around age six, and I'm sure probably deeper than that. Um, at around age six, I was watching just by chance on TV what was like a, I don't even know what it was, but it was a show about vibrations, right? And so we were... Um, just I was sitting down watching how when you think of something like we know now, when you're sending out those vibrational frequencies, what that does when you turn that around um, in, how do I explain this? <laughs> um, but yeah, listening to the, the vibrational frequencies that you put out, the world mm. is then giving back to you. Mm. So... Um, from after I watched that, I didn't quite understand it, except that if I thought something and I was like, I don't want that, I don't want that, it would come to me because I was putting out that, that vibrational frequency that, yeah, okay, that's going to come back. Um, and I'm sure everyone's experienced something of, of that sort. Uh, for me, it was like getting with a, a buddy that I didn't want to do in prep or something in in primary school. It started off with really small things yeah, yeah. and would get bigger and bigger. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, the other day is something that, really struck me and because it was so like I've traveled around the world mm. and definitely listen to gut instincts being a female solo traveler yeah. you do have to be a little bit more aware yeah, um, sure. which sucks but yeah. definitely some of the places I've been to I just had to listen to that and own it mm. and that kept me really safe but um, when I was driving the other day I just got my a lovely little car and I just went, I had a bad situation at the start of the year and with a drunk driver so I was like, okay this is like a nice wake-up call, but the other day when I was driving, I pulled up to the main intersection and yeah, it was a really subtle voice that just said, top into the other lane, don't think anything else of it. Um, I didn't even really recognise it until a big Prado pulled up next to me and then five seconds later got rear-ended. Wow. And I thought, as I drove off, oh, wow, that could, actually, that would have been me. No, my car. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, being caught up in it, I didn't yeah. want to... Um, Cars just an aesthetic thing, but yeah, of course, but still your safety, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that was a big uh wake up that it can be subtle mm. whilst it can be all, also really obvious mm. where you can have those nauseous feelings where you're like, Oh, I really gotta mm. listen and, and feel to, and, and honor that, 
Yeah, oh, it's just super interesting uh, feeling that everybody has, and I'm curious to know, or I guess listen to um, your ability to listen to that because sometimes it gets muffled quite easily. Mm. Um, you know, you've got stuff on in terms of work, family, like there's just other things bouncing around your mind that are just like you almost don't have like time or energy to listen to that but it's the most important thing to listen to um, when you're sort of going around your day to day business that's just my opinion yeah definitely um, so you know the listening is is massive in that um, did you want to unpack that at all i think if you don't listen you end up meeting you'll you'll hit speed bumps in your day to day movements activities happenings and then things will start going down a negative one mm. And things aren't working for you, and you're like, oh, what's happening? And then <laughs> you start to listen, and yeah. then you're like, oh, I just go take this yeah. choice or this decision and honor those feelings mm-hmm. or honor that um, understanding, and yeah. then things start to open up for you. But when you do block it, that's when yeah. stuff yeah. does tend to go um, well, down a bad line or wrong. Repeats, you keep yeah. repeating. It's like if you're not learning the lesson here. It's just going to keep arising, maybe not the exact situation, but something along that lesson is going to just keep repeating until you click and it's just like, oh, okay, now I get it. There's sort of like a dissolve and then there's some some movement through that space, which is cool. People and, will block it out yeah. as well. Yeah. I think that the ones that are so driven, mm-hmm. goal-orientated or task-orientated, yeah. they'll block it out at all costs and it won't be until maybe they become really unwell or yeah. something that they have no choice but to surrender to listen to it mm. as well. Mm. And go quite deep in it that way. And like brain fog as well. Yeah. That will block it. Yeah. What what are the main causes do you think of brain fog? Um personally I've yeah. travelled through this world so I can <laughs> from my experience, yeah. um, for me it was having lots of sugar as a young child. Yeah. So feeding my limbic mm-hmm. part of my brain, the pleasure and reward centre through sweets. Um not necessarily through experiences or winning, like my brother, for example. Mm. Uh, <laughs> he just, <laughs> bless Brent, Brenton. <laughs> yeah, he he would um, always do his best or push himself to the most extreme, um, whereas I would go for that pleasure and reward through food. So mm. food's a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, nutritional deficiencies, like zinc's a really big one that I've since found. Okay. Um, for me, especially females, we tend to have a lot higher copper levels. Yep. So you've got to balance it out with that zinc, whether it's through food or supplement. However you do go about it initially, always food is best mm-hmm. um, long term. But that can help with that gut balance and just getting things. Like if you're too anxious, your zinc, that's a, a big thing that I found in a lot of patients as well with my work. Mm. That young children will come in and they're just their gut microbiome stuffed up. So mm. you just start with small things that will help out nourishing their tummy. Mm. I think the um, the importance of what we're putting in our body is so underrated in this day and age. Um, you know, you're one pack of five cubies and it's all organic. You know, you're sort of farming your own food and whatnot. Mm. And now, you know, through consumerism and just the way our society lives, um, you know, we're buying GMO foods and it's just a lot of prepackaged shit. It's just so bad for us, but it's just what we're used to. Mm. Um, if you don't have, um, I guess, the motivation to educate yourself, you just get caught in this trap of unmindful eating. Um, 
So yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. It's really been a diet. How did you understand all that? Come to understand the food side of it. Did you grow up in a family that had that? Yeah. So both my grandmothers come from sort of traditional Greek farming families. Mm -hmm. um, so I spent a lot of time with both my EOs in the garden. Yeah. Um, my mum's mum is from the north of uh, Greece, so um, a lot of like fresh produce um, through the winter time. They're just more prone to uh, colder weather up there. So we're looking at like a lot of lettuces, um, beans, uh, beetroots, broccolis, that type of stuff. So there was a lot of um, just observing her when I was younger in the garden because that's her pride and joy. That's just what she does. Wakes up at 4 a.m. and finishes at probably 8, but it's not like a chore, that's just what she does. So, a lot of learning from her, and then with my mum, dad's mum, she's from the south of Greece, so it's, the climate's a lot warmer there. So, you're looking at more summer products um, eggplants, um, I've got a blank here, but anyway, chilies, um, tomatoes, cucumbers, that type of stuff. Um, so, through that observation, that was sort of where my interest and curiosity grew about growing organic food um, and then through that I guess I've just the biggest thing is I've just felt different you know when I am not prioritizing what I'm putting in my body um, and you take a moment to ask your body what's going on how do I feel it's usually I feel like a piece of shit <laughs> <laughs> so then it's like okay let's sort of delve a little bit deeper here what's going on what am I eating the food groups etc etc um, and when I revert back to you know eating from my garden or buying organic, whatever it is, um, it's a game changer. And the biggest thing that I've noticed personally for me, um, I very rarely purchase any more um, red meat or chicken from you know whatever it is the butcher or top foods or whatnot. Um, personally, I just feel like if I'm eating red meat more than twice a week, um, I'm just slow. I'm mm. really slow. Chicken may be a little bit different, but I just, I'm not a big fan of eating eggs and chicken. I love it, don't get me wrong, I love chicken, but, um, so what that sort of drove dad and I to do, dad's been hunting for probably the best part of 25 years. So occasionally, um, when I say occasionally, maybe every two to three months, we'll go hunting, usually for deer, so venison, um, and rabbits, um, and occasionally pigs as well. So um, that's most of the meat consumption that I have. Um, so yeah, one deer will probably last us around three months, I'd say. Um, just portion it and then, you know, nothing gets wasted. Um, For the whole family? Uh, sisters aren't too keen on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's usually me, Dad, and actually Jax. Jax eats a fair bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he loves it. Um, but, you know, it's, it's almost like a, a body reset clock when I'm eating like that. You know, veggies from the garden or organic food and um, and venison. Like, it's incomparable to how I operate mm. when I'm just eating shit. Yeah. it's. I think it's amazing that we do, like, going back to your grandma's. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On either side, like, how much they influence. And that was just natural mm. for you to look at that. Same with my grandma. She was great. She's always been, she comes from a over in England where they didn't have much money so they were really good with making sure everything lasted to the very last scrap and yep. being smart with what they would cook. Um, so that was what brought me back into eating well is like cooking from scratch because mm -hmm. you couldn't afford, or she couldn't afford to go 
go out and buy sauces and that was just because of their monetary mm. situation but then I looked at it I, was like, I actually know what's going on in the food and most people are aware of that these days um, but another thing with the the vegetables something that I've delved into is that organic vegetables can have a bed so the bugs don't tend to go towards them as much as they would for like a um, sterile or GMO vegetable that's why we've got to use so much pesticides um like say all that side of it because their frequencies that the plant will actually put off attract it's so low that the bugs will attract to it so they're going to eat it more whereas your organic ones have got a higher frequency and they tend to then disrupt the bugs from coming to them not always the case but i've started to notice that it starts from the soil as well if your soil's not good you've got organic veggies and you're still halfway there you're going to get that full the whole um, circle soil vegetable and then decomposing it back into the soil and and understanding from that way do you want to unpack um sort of like the what happens when pesticides are used on our vegetables um, from like you know, rivers, ponds, algae, etc. Do you want to unpack that a little bit? From my understanding, a lot of them are oil-based, and that they they don't allow your body to recognise. Well, for one, sometimes they can be really old. Mm-hmm. I've had uh, conversations with patients that have worked in customs importing where oranges have been stored for up to a year before they're, they're actually sold in supermarkets, um, big chains here in Australia, which blew my mind. And initially I was like, nah, surely not. But anyway, so with your, um, for example, like glyphosate, I don't know the mechanism of action as well as what others would, but I just understand that it, it just, you can't absorb the nutrition mm. and the minerals from that plant because it doesn't have anything to start yeah. with. Yeah. So if it's getting stripped of its nutrition, initially when they first started to bring that back in, um, what, post-war, mm. when they had that green revolution, yeah. um, things were thriving, but then the soil content and the mineral content just really started to go downhill because of how toxic those chemicals can be after a build-up of a number of years. Mm. Um, yeah, the mechanism of action is something that mm-hmm. I like to understand more of, just that I know that it doesn't sit well with my body yep. it's going to stop up my endocrine system my hormones yep. which is a big thing for me being through skin issues mm. in late adulthood something i had to work a lot on um, and that's what's another thing that set off a lot of my story anything to get rid of um my pimples my adult <laughs> acne and it was actually the yeah. biggest blessing yeah. if i didn't have adult acne i would yep. probably be eating all that crappy yeah. horrible toxic food still and um, having really small thoughts and not ascending to that higher level and yeah. being able to help the wider community around me. Yeah. Look how much I... Oh, well, your skin's glowing at the moment, Kirsten. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I'm working damn hard on it. <laughs> um, you touched on the, the um, toxic chemicals that we're exposed to daily and mm. so underrated. Like, you know, every product that we use has, has chemicals. Um, is it something that you try and stay well clear of in particular? Yeah, like... I got rid of all my beauty products. On average, I think a female absorbs about five pounds of chemicals a year through body products and makeup, it's crazy. which That's is disgusting. Crazy. And especially, like, what's that doing to your fertility rate? Yeah. And yeah. Um, are you getting the best eggs mm. that you could mm. to be able to come through? I know that you're born with your um, eggs, but what are you doing to them? Yeah. 
um, that's something that I'm really passionate about. I tell a lot of my patients, um, even though they're coming in for a sports injury, mm-hmm. like what are you putting in your body, on your body? Is that slowing down your healing capacity and so much other stuff? But I just make all my own beauty products now, so I have, I don't wear any makeup, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, I just embrace that side of it. Yeah. And then with my oils, for example, I just use like organic hemp, avo, um, jojoba is really good. Yeah. I know that jojoba is quite similar sebum level, sorry, level to our sebum yeah. in terms of its oil, so it sits well on the skin, especially with the face. Mm-hmm. And just having cold showers, <laughs> that's another good thing. <laughs> that's a big one, cold yeah. showers. I'm, yeah. um, I'm a bit of a sucker for a cold shower at the moment. Mm. I've actually had it for a little while. Um, obviously, in particular, after a sauna, but just the occasional cold shower on a winter's morning, nothing gets you up like that. <laughs> yeah, well, we were actually away in um, just Meridig area not yeah. long ago, and we got into the stream that comes through from Mount Buller. That was a soul awakening experience. That's probably the <laughs> coldest water that I felt. Wow. And I've been swimming in Scotland. So <laughs> then that yeah, was that so hurt my toes, the vasoconstriction <laughs> of it. That was painful. But cold showers, you don't have to do that sort of level, even if yeah. you just start with at the end of a, a warm shower. That's how I started. It was mm. 20 seconds at the end. Mm. Um, I know getting the neck and the back of the yeah. head, if you don't want to get your hair wet, that's fine. Just going for the neck and the decolletage area. Yeah. Yeah. That's like where the amphibian side of things used to be with our gills. So that's the one that gets it mm. most used to it and, and quickest used to the, the water temperature. Yeah, rather than you starting at the legs going up, just yeah. go for the neck. <laughs> <laughs> it's intense, but it will get your body a lot more calibrated quicker. Yeah. So people come to see for podiatry, um, rehab type stuff, but you know, you're obviously much more holistic in your approach. Mm. Um, you know, I'm just, it's just an assumption people come in and say, this is this is what's wrong, but you have more of an understanding that this is just a global mechanism. Um, so do you want to unpack that? Yes, yes. I love working <laughs> with my, my um, field of um, joy. Like work for me is not a task. Mm-hmm. I think the day that you wake up and you're like, oh, I'm going to work, yeah. is when you're not, I mean, sometimes you'll have days where yeah, you're lower motivation, but yeah, I... I do all my job nice. and I just really thrive in helping others become the best versions of them as cliche as that sounds because that'll go on have a ripple effect and that's like the, my number one I think that's my number one calling mm. in life I remember speaking to a Reiki master once and she not my mom but another lady yeah. she said to me like you have a scrolls a long scrolls worth of work to do in this lifetime <laughs> And when she said it to me, I was still very foggy, we'll say, in the brain. Mm. I didn't understand what she meant, but now I can see it. So mm-hmm. I'll go to work and, example, I'll get someone that comes in with heel pain. Mm. So um, I'm a sports podiatrist, just to yeah. clarify that. Yeah. Like I don't cut nails. That was one thing that I <laughs> was really big on yeah. um, when I first entered into the podiatry world. I remember interviewing as a mature age student because mm. prior to that I'd been a Mayo. Mm-hmm. And working just with sports injuries, lots of bodybuilders, which is a great learning experience of yeah. what not and what to do for your body. Um, and yeah, so go back to the, the patient. They'll come in with heel pain. Mm-hmm. You look at, okay, what's your sleep like? What's your hydration? What's your food? What's your um, stress levels? What are you doing for like your physical? And then you get, I find that most of the time it's, it's obviously like physically how they stand, their gait, all that side. But then on an um, internal level, 
they're just so inflamed in their body. Mm. And that's been the feet all the way down that lower end. It's the slowest point to heal and the first place that you'll, you'll show signs and symptoms of health issues, especially right up to the digits of the toes. That'll tell you what's going on with the heart, circulation. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating. Yeah, blood supply. That is super interesting. Mm. Yeah. And you mentioned sleep and super critical um, recovery mechanism of the body. Um, have you found sleep to be a big thing for you? Yes. Yeah. yeah, definitely in the last couple of years, like fourth year uni, I was probably managing about five hours a night just yeah. from working um, with my own business and then full-time study, plus trying to train for triathlons and be social <laughs> and just by the end of it conking out yeah. and and I was frustrated at the world because I couldn't um, land a, a rental uh, for my work because mm -hmm. I didn't want to work for anyone I wanted to get my own space and move on from the sports gym that I was at but it was the universe being like nah man you've got to you've got to relax you've <laughs> got to rest you've got to rejuvenate because yeah. this is the calm before the storm yeah. Yeah. and I'm well into the storm now yeah. The storm's pretty fun. <laughs> I just got to keep on top of my sleep. And if I don't, I'm just not sharp and I can't go those long days and I can't give to the patients and I can't um, rejuvenate myself mm. because I just don't feel like doing anything. Mm. That's where I might slip. I'm, I'm pretty good with my food. If I know I can't eat anything good, I just won't eat it all. I'll just fast or just get to bed, <laughs> especially if it's too late. It's yeah. another thing that I've been working on. Um with myself and with my patients, like trying to, everyone's so different as yeah. well. When's their prime time, male versus female to eat? I know females, um, fasting is not so great for fertile women in the morning, especially. You want to keep insulin levels pretty consistent, so starting the day off with fat and um, protein, mm. whereas the males can go a lot longer. I mean, some people might disagree with me there, but um, menopausal women, for example, fasting is amazing for them. Right. Yeah. The difference between the, the female age yeah, yeah. can be a big thing to understand it and explain that to because I see a lot of young athletes or a, mm. lot, a lot of young women uh, and males but they'll come in and they're just not hit, hitting those nutritional um, levels that they mm. need to even though they feel that they're they're doing well we just got to explain that to them mm. um, and then getting more yeah more fuel in the body and more um, healing properties in there as well. So if someone came to you and said, let's just, for example, say, say 25-year-old female, mm -hmm. says, I really want to improve my sleep, what are the first things that you sort of ask or try and um, work around? Uh, light exposure. Light. Yeah. yeah. That's a big thing that I've been learning for probably the last year. So uh, like at the start of the day as well, like are you just getting on the bright light mm -hmm. or are you gradually easing into that morning sun um, and then at night, that's a big one. Are you too wide because you've been looking at your phone? I mean, everyone does understand this, but whether they act on it. Yeah. So then if they're not going to be good at dimming down their phone or putting on twilight or something like that, get some blue blocking glasses, yeah. bright red, go for it, <laughs> and just pop them on and you'll – I probably pop them on as soon as the sun goes down yeah. for me because it takes me a while to unwind. Yeah. Um, wouldn't recommend driving in them. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's a that's a big one that's to start big, with. Yeah. So, what's the light exposure like? Yeah. And I know Josh, one of our friends, yeah. he was really big on that uh, at the retreat. He was, yeah. yeah. So it was really nice to hear and he confirmed that yeah. back to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
best. Yeah, that's a good way to have it. You touched on the morning sun there, and I feel like that's so underrated. Like, we have this conception that uh, melatonin is produced as soon as we sort of, sort of start to go to sleep, but you know, you're starting to charge your battery up almost as soon as you wake up. Mm. So, if you don't charge a battery between, you know, first sun and let's just say 5 pm, um, you're going to that rest period with you know, very little melatonin in the battery. But if you start early, you know, you get really nice sun exposure, potentially some grounding as well, and obviously, you know, great um, fluid intake. Um, it goes a long way in, in actually sleeping. And I find when I speak to people most, um, well, sorry, what most surprises them is that oh, morning sun for sleep. Like, how does that marry up together? But it's a big one, I reckon. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'll go out if I um, have my tea or my whatever my warm drink to start off with is I'll go sit on the edge of my veggie patch and just look at the sun coming through the hills. I'm blessed to have that view. Others might just have to sit on their decking or mm-hmm. even just through the window. If they can open the window, it's better. Um, and just watch that sun come through. Mm-hmm. Or if you don't have light exposure at night by street lights, even just sleeping with the curtains open. Yeah. It's a nice one as well. Yeah. Going down and waking with the sun. We're so, we are talking about this on the um, weekend, uh, Jesse, my partner and I, mm. that we, as, as a culture, we're starting to eat too late. Yeah. And then that's making us stay up too late because you can't go to sleep because you're edgy. Mm. Your children's like, <laughs> and then, or you're just going to have some really hectic dreams <laughs> if you uh, do fall asleep. Yeah. So eating earlier is a, is a good thing as well mm. to mm. help with the sleep side of things. Yeah. I, um, as you know, we lived in the Gold Coast for a little while, and I didn't know this though. Oh, you didn't yeah, know this, no. so there you go. Yeah, spent a little bit of time in uh, the beautiful Gold Coast, best place on earth. Um, hopefully, you're back there sooner rather than later. But um, my lifestyle there was like at its peak of mm. um, sunrise is really early in summer, about four forty, four thirty. Um, so slept with the blinds open. You wake up with the sun. Go for a swim before work. Um, so much easier when it's warm. Oh, so so much easier. Yeah. You know, when you wake up, it's like fifteen gets to twenty degrees, <laughs> but then it doesn't change. It goes maybe to twenty two for the day, and that's it. Um, so the consistency just makes it so much easier, and the water is always like a bath, like in comparison to what the water here is just pure bliss. Um, but then in turn, the sun goes down at sometimes like five o'clock, mm. and it's that's super early. So. I was working as a cook up there for um, the beach shack, um, just a cafe on the, on the beach here in Corumbin, and I usually finished work at, um, let's just say, 2 o'clock. Um, so whatever, get home, take Jack to a walk, do what I have to do, have dinner at probably 4.35, um, sun goes down, and it's like, oh, well, it's time to go to bed soon. It gets like 6.30, you're in bed, and I'm sleeping. And I used to always message mum and dad and be like, I'm off to bed and they're like, are you mad? <laughs> <laughs> it's a culture up there as it well. Is, though. It is. It is. Because like, you get most of your stuff done before you go to work. Mm. So when you finish work, it's like you're done for the day. And I finish work at 2 o'clock. Primarily, that's how we would have been yeah, as well. We exactly. would have got it done in the morning. And exactly. um, I've been learning a lot about tribes versus um, like cults. Okay. And in the tribe, the ones that were most efficient under 50 people per tribe right. would get all their stuff done in the morning. I think this was over in um, 
Native America, um, tri- Native American tribes. Okay. Yeah, they would get all their stuff done in the morning and they could just hang and chill for, <laughs> from like 1 p.m. onwards. I'm yeah. sure they didn't really follow the, t- the time yeah. as diligently as what we do. Yeah. Um, I actually lived over in Scotland mm. for about just under a year and it was the complete opposite to what you experienced mm. over in Queensland. I moved over there Boxing Day. Yep. Um, I landed. It was incredibly cold. Yep. I didn't know what cold was until I got over there. That's that. really good yeah. yeah. And I lost my mojo probably within about a month and a half because it would it was a really poor summer here, yeah. so I didn't get much sun exposure with vitamin D levels. Yeah. They weren't charged up enough for that uh, experience, so mm. I actually had to get like light therapies in. Mm. Um, so people that are in like the northern hemisphere, yeah. they do have to be really onto it if they're expatriate or if they're just someone that isn't exposed or they're not used to that yeah. low sun exposure, I should say. Yeah. I've heard about the sunbeds. I've only heard about them in the UK and uh, Norway. They're the only people that I've sort of mentioned to them before, but the sunbeds are an interesting concept. Mm, you can even just get a desk yep. um, lamp that's got a similar light oh, to it. Yeah, the UV in that. Yeah. Obviously being careful with the exposure to it, but just to help with the... Um, Pineal gland exposure yeah. as well. Yeah. The pineal gland's a very interesting one. Yeah. <laughs> Please tell me more. <laughs> I just, my main thing that I understand from it, I mean, there's there's a lot, but yeah. we, um, when we're in that brain fog, mm. it's not working well. Yeah. That's the easiest way to understand it. If that's not working well, mm. so much of our body, hormonal wise, um, through the endocrine system is not going to be on par, mm. not going to be secreting and releasing at the right time. So it's, it's really is the master clock your body. Is yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, when I have been like in a meditative state um, and the energy, or rather, my focus is in the pineal gland, and sometimes you actually. I just prefer to speak it. Sometimes you don't even realise that you actually got tension there when the um, optical nerves run back to you know, back your eyes, and you don't even realise there's tension there. Then as soon as you put your focus there, and it's just like, wow, that's how it was all day today, or like you know, that's what my sort of like normal in inverted commas state was today. Mm. Um, and then you realise that, and you release it, and it's just like, whoa. Do you have a consistent space in your body that you store tension? Um, yeah, I would say in my left groin, um, that's pretty consistent. And my dad's exact same, actually. Oh. Literally, our bodies are quite a mirror. Yeah. Um, obviously, through our DNS practice, dynamic neuromuscular stabilization, um, I have been more aware of my body movement. Um, that's, you know, that's trying to, I'm trying to undo realistically 20 years of poor body movement. Mm. and it's all been stored in my left groin. I wonder if that's an energy zone for you as well, mm. left being uh, feminine yeah. and hip mobility to taking that next step in life. Mm. I can be from that metaphysical line. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of digging to be done there. Mm. Yeah. And that your dad has it as well. Yeah. Is it a genetic lineage from um, past life experiences or mm. DNA? Mm. Yeah. That's placed in there. Uh, yeah, I, I have literally no doubts that there's something, something in that line. Mm. Even just 
like this is a little bit different here, but you know, as a let's just say three to eight year old boy, mm. um, I just remember looking up to dad and being like, I want to be exactly like this guy. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's like, uh, like I distinctly remember that I, well, one, I was always trying to compete with him with everything. Like, what I mean, everything, talking about running up the stairs when he got home from work. We used to wrestle, obviously, he used to always pin me <laughs> to the point where when he was peeing, I would jump in the toilet and I'd start peeing and I'd finish first and I'd tell him that I'd pick him. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, wow. So, you know, there's obviously some learned behavior there of watching him before observing the way his body moves and mm. then me imitating that at a young age. Um, going through my teens, I had three knee reconstructions and then a plethora of torn hamstrings, calves, um, and some really poor um, Achilles tension. Mm. Um, probably overdid it when I was younger, played soccer, footy, and whatever else. Um, We're just poor recovery. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Really, well, no recovery. Literally no recovery. Didn't so, have any understanding exactly. then. Parents didn't understand. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, so um, yeah, it all caught up and... Right now, my body's probably the best it's been since I was like probably 10 or 11, um, which is great. Must feel nice. It does. Yeah. It does. I can yeah. agree with that. Mm-hmm. Going back to the tension points, yeah. what I was going to say with that for me is my upper traps. Mm-hmm. And um, if I'm aware of it and just keep letting them relax throughout the day, and this same for you here, left groin, um, for the listening, like wherever their tension points, to be more aware of that sight so you can keep on allowing that to ease throughout the day and not let it build and build and build mm-hmm. so just keep checking in with it mm-hmm. it's a, a nice one that i've been it's great self-awareness to be able to check in yeah, yeah like you can go to the next level yeah. and uh do what i do for patients and put little stickers around <laughs> <laughs> so when they see their little red dot or their blue dot yeah. either on their phone on their steering wheel on their laptop yeah that's a good um, idea kettle fridge mirror yeah. they just think ah. Oh, and normally it's the breathing uh, cues yep. that I'll be giving him for that, but yep. also just put a few things to that dot mm. so that it just That's brings it back into line. Do you have any stickers around your house? Uh, not around my house. I used to. Yep. I'm pretty good with it now. Yeah. So when I'm doing certain movements, mm. that would be my cue to relax or mm. to get my deep tummy and intra-abdominal pressure breathing yep. happening yep. and centering myself. Yeah. That's an interesting one. Um, can you um, please unpack that? The uh, intra-abdominal pressure um, and, and in, as a whole, uh, breathing. It's yes. One. It's a very big one. As an asthmatic. Yes. Yeah, and yes. someone who um, had anxiety as a, a later adult mm-hmm. who's just sort of stepped out of that world, I didn't realise how much I was mouth-breathing. Mm-hmm. Thanks, dairy. <laughs> <laughs> so I got rid of my dairy. Yep. That helped to decongest my sinuses. Mm-hmm. The mucosa lining started to be less clogging and thick, so I started to clear all my um, mucus easier and I just haven't had as much build-up. So it was one start, and then breathing through the nose to get that breath down lower. If you don't have adequate trunk um, fill and, and breath down to the lowest point of the lungs, mm-hmm. you're not using your trunk as it should be to stabilise you. So you're going to be using a lot more upper chest, therefore you're going to be stepping into sympathetic nervous system, which is your fight and flight. So it's going to 
not allow you to shut off and relax and allow the digest digestive uh, tract to start happily functioning and, and moving your food. Um, also, like if you're like me with asthma, um, a lot of it comes from, yeah, just that shallow breathing and really weak diaphragm. So the diaphragm, I found for me the best thing is to get on the bike and start riding up in the Mount Daniels where I live. That really got my diaphragm strong. Now, mm -hmm. not everyone's going to be able to do that. <laughs> so they can just practice with their, their hands, even on the sides of their obliques and the side of the tummy or even onto the transverse abdominal area, just to try and get that those fingers rising without them forcibly pushing the muscles out, but getting the air down in there. Breathing is everything in everyone's world. If you don't breathe properly, you're gonna, I, oh, it's a big call, but you're gonna die earlier, because you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. Yeah, you're it's, just not, it's true. Yeah. you're not feeling yourself properly yeah. with that. Um, so just starting off with just even closing the mouth down mm. more and breathing through the nose and taking those times to just pause throughout the conversation that you're having and breathe through that, that mm. nose. Mm. Yeah, I was going to say, if someone's listening to this and hasn't really experienced, let's just call it true breathing, how would you say that they would sort of start off? What, what's The best position starting off is lying down with the knees up on like a a chair or um, the couch. Mm -hmm. Some people do it with the gym balls, but I'm yep. just saying that's solid. Yep. That disengages the lower aspect of our body, so that's easy to just focus on the tummy. Um, if they've got a bit of a hump on the back of their neck, just popping a little towel under the head brings them into a much better aligned with the mm -hmm. spine and it'll also stop that rib cage being in that open scissor posture where. Our chest is quite high, our ribs are flared upwards, and then the pelvis is going into a little type of anterior tilt. Mm. So if you're lying down, you want to try and get your back just gently flat onto the, the ground and just popping the hands onto the tummy and doing those nice deep breaths. And it is hard, maybe you want to have a hand up on the chest to be your marker point. That's how I teach patients. I mean, I hold the rib cage down, mm. depress it towards the pelvis, and that helps to bring the the diaphragm into much better alignment so it can actually expand into that lower abdomen mm. that's the easiest way so yeah. just and looking up intra-abdominal pressure breathing yeah. it's yeah. it's something that has to be experienced it's really hard to learn on your own without being shown yeah. unless you want to watch a video that's yeah. a, another option online yeah. like a dns video yeah um and the diaphragm what, what, what role does it play in that the diaphragm if it's not strong it's going to be stuck up in the rib cage yeah and sitting quite high you then also the biggest thing for that is it's not coming down and compressing onto the adrenal glands so the adrenal glands are just secreting too much cortisol out mm -hmm. and that's just going to keep us in that anxious state or just that higher alert that's a little bit too alert <laughs> which is you know if we've got high cortisol sleep is pretty poor yeah so it's all interlinked definitely you know? yeah um, if someone is wanting to practice this, would you say, you know, morning, afternoon, night, or is it completely up to the individual? Up to the individual. Yeah. I find that a lot of my patients are busy, so they do it at night. Yeah. But then I get them to do it when they're driving, just one hand onto the side of the tummy, yeah. just to bring them into that awareness. Mm. Oh, chest breathing. Let's try and get that a little bit lower, and a bit lower, and a bit lower. For me personally, it took me about six months to perfect. Yeah. 
but I think I'm still perfecting yeah, it. Yeah, of course, of course, yeah. <laughs> Especially on my right side. So yeah. I'm opposite to you. My right side is my yep. uh, neurologically weaker side. Mm. Even though it shows up stronger, mm. it's that asymptomatic mm. Uh, mm. malfunctional side. Mm. Using that, are you touched on driving? Um, you're doing heaps of driving such a great time to observe your body. Mm. Um, you know, your posture, any habits in terms of leaning, how's my breathing, that's obviously a big one. But just generally checking in um, with your body, it's a pretty unique time. And um, I personally love driving because of that. Um, you're sort of killing two birds with one stone. Um, is there any other times in the day that, you know, you try and try and, I know you sort of constantly self-aware um, is there anything in particular that you're like, yeah, this is cool? Um, sitting down, like if you're an office worker, that's a pretty easy one. If you've yeah. just got to read something, pop both hands onto the, the sides of the, the chest and the tummy, or the, the tummy area. Yeah. Um, you can start getting, once you feel a bit more confident with it, when you're just bending down to pick something up. Yeah. That's an easy one to do, or moving something from the ground. Like everything, every movement can be... Yeah. A strengthening yeah. and awareness type of movement yeah. and it's amazing how much that's come into my world the last couple of years mm. Mm. before that I probably would have gone down the line of having back pain yeah. at age 27 28 if I hadn't have opened it up mm. unfortunately that's very common yeah um, you know Mark McGrath speaks about the continuum and it's sort of alludes to that what we're talking about now where it's like you know a lot of people and myself included when you first start off to be sort of self-aware or observing of yourself um, you know you have to go to a class or you have to you have to actually do something in order to be in that space uh, and slowly it sort of trickles out into your everyday life when it's like I no longer am just observant or alert in that one hour of yoga on a Thursday night it's like now I am when I drive home from yoga or I'm driving to yoga and then it extends to like when I wake up, I just take a moment in bed to ask myself, what is my purpose? And do some nice deep breaths or, you know, as you said, picking up something or, you know, I do that when I'm playing perfect jazz or something and I go down to kick the ball. It's a very slow, just steady. <laughs> slow and steady. just hear feel like. <laughs> but, you know, it starts to creep up into your everyday life and then it's just like, okay, I, I am meditation. You begin to crave it as well because yeah. you do feel quite unsettled mm. when you step out of that and you realise how much mm. when you step back into it mm. and then, yeah, it becomes addictive to mm. be in that state and really nice to share that with others mm. that so many patients will cry when you teach them how to breathe. That's pretty moving. I yeah. mean, well, how much tension have they had in their body, mm. especially men? But I'll show you, like, they get really overwhelmed. Maybe I'm not, um, like, they can share that with me, which is pretty mm. fascinating. You get someone coming in for a sports injury and then they leave pretty blown away by how powerful breath is. Mm. Mm. Those powers or those entities around us that don't want us to reach into that, yeah. how powerful our bodies can be. Yeah, super underrated, mm. super underrated. Wow, that's just like thinking about it now, it's like very calming. Um, you know, we sort of chatted a lot about this whole holistic 
your body um, from sleep to breathing to releasing tension and those type of things and even just the ability to communicate that with somebody and hopefully when people are listening to this they start to be a little bit more self-aware as well um, there's just a release of I feel very relaxed I feel very relaxed now yeah compared <laughs> to the start of the yeah. podcast to now yeah. how powerful it can be yeah. Yeah. I mean obviously nerves and yeah. un- unknown will get the better of you at all times yeah. Yeah. Um, funnily enough when I hold workshops I've really got that down pat because mm. I Feel comfortable in that setting and I own what I'm going to be delivering mm. so it's easy for I know at the start when I first began those it was really hard yeah. to breathe <laughs> and I, I wish I knew this when I was younger how much more powerful I would mm. have been back then mm. but then I probably wouldn't be where I am now yeah. who knows what, what, what exactly. path I would have taken yeah exactly right yeah. Mm. I've always thought that as well I was like maybe I knew that when I was like 18 but yeah that's just we're still pretty young, yeah, so we're we doing are. well. <laughs> uh, is, is there anything that you wanted to share that was a little bit left to feel something that you're working on or something that you feel really passionate about or you know, anything that springs to mind that um, you just would love the opportunity to sort of share in this space? Um, what am I working on at the moment? I feel like I'm already... Everything is coming into my work already, but there's always room for movement. I mean, me and my partner, Jesse, we want to bring in a little health retreat. Just mm. start off with mates going and doing those cold therapy exposures, mm. doing some heat therapy as well, um, food, understanding that. Mm. I wouldn't mind delving more down that food line, and then that will probably take me into like bushcraft survival skills and just teaching <laughs> people yeah, yeah yeah what we were talking about yeah, there yeah. once once i understand more and more and more of those i i just want to share those as well yeah. with those that are not aware of it and how important it can be mm-hmm. so that's that's the next level for me professionally yeah. personally um yeah i've got lots going on that i just want to keep on it sounds crazy but I want to make myself unkillable (laughs) yeah train smart yeah feed well yeah and live a life that is really sustainable and like being off grid for example is a really like it's becoming more and more strong for me to go down that line especially in the current events of what's happening is like we had so I live out um, under the hills and we don't have power for about six days was it five six days mm. and being cold doesn't phase me too much I've been exposed to it enough now mm-hmm. um, but not having reception with phone mm. so uh, my dad's a fantastic man who is the handiest man ever <laughs> and he <laughs> has taught me a lot of skills that yeah. I'm sure most females my age um, haven't had that exposure to so I'm very thankful for that but Things that were simple, like how to um, look up something on the phone. I took that for granted. How do I do this? I don't have reception. I can't look up that. So having books is yeah. a, the next step as well. Mm-hmm. Not relying on that the digital mm-hmm. network. Plus, you can learn a lot from it. But yeah, it was a good opportunity to see what my life will be like living out in yeah. in the yeah. high country, away from the power. And I'm not preparing for 
anything like that, like doomsday preparing. Yeah, I just feel that yeah. draw to live a more um, earth-based lifestyle where I'm not relying on the mainstream supermarkets. Yeah. And like same with what you were talking about before with the hunting. Yeah. Um, for many years, I thought I'll get my gun license, and then I finally did, and mm-hmm. and now I'm stepping into that side of thing, and that's huge for me. Some I came from being four years of vego and vegan and tried many different diets to see which would suit my body best mm. but now i understand that it is the meat and funnily enough actually um how you were saying you can only have meat two times a week or so mm. there's a i've just been learning about the four-day diet have you heard about it no i haven't so it's where you've got to change your meat up every four days because okay. it takes that time to pass through or it's an idea to change every four days so bovine like cows buffalo whatever you're eating on that family they all registered in the body is the same meat mm-hmm. so even though on monday you might have beef and wednesday buffalo if you can have that here in australia mm. it's still being registered the same food so your body just keeps thinking it's that day after day after day so you want to really change it up every couple of days or just go more plant-based on other days just to give your digestive tract a bit of time to break it down process it mm. and get it cleared out of the whole body the colon everything through there mm. like so I see a lot of patients that have fluid in their legs right okay. and I always thought it's their lymphatic system it's not pumping well why is that it's probably their food but they didn't understand the extent of how to fix it not that it's my job as a podiatrist to fix their swelling mm. I will send them on to someone that does understand it more but what I was learning was that if you're eating foods that you're allergic to not on an anaphylactic or visual itchy level, but your body's not digesting them well, they get stuck, get like the leaky gut syndrome or SIBO. Um, it goes through into the cellular interstitial um, fluid mm. and it starts to block where the fluid would go back up circulating around the body so that it can create in the legs more swelling down there because mm. those little holes are only big enough to fit one plasma or blood cell through it and then a bit of flying food comes through not that it's food but just like a chunky cell yeah, yeah. and it just completely blocks that channel yeah, right. and i think about how many women that i know have that more so women <coughs> more so women than men mm-hmm. and um yeah what like it's gonna be really interesting this week to speak to them about it mm. So that sort of blew my mind. Yeah, that is super crazy. Mm, that swelling can be food yeah. intolerances. And like, you know, I feel like a lot of people wouldn't really recognise that. No. Our legs are a little bit swollen. Like, well, that's got nothing to do with what I'm eating. Yeah. <laughs> or like, I'm sneezing. Yeah. There must be more pollen in the air. Yeah, yeah. That's like what Jesse was saying last night. It was laughing at how silly it sounds, but that's what we would have once said. That yeah. Well, my histamine levels are up because there's more <laughs> external allergens. It's not what I just ate. Yeah. Like we went out for dinner on Saturday night and I I haven't been out for dinner for about a year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so how dedicated and how much I just find that food unattractive. Yeah. And how rotten I felt this uh, yesterday and, and a little bit this morning. Yeah. And just it doesn't sit well with me. So it's probably oh, going to take me another 30 days to balance back up again. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's on average, like the gut lining. Takes that long to turn over, right. probably even longer. <laughs> yeah, thirty days, especially for dairy. Getting yeah, dairy yeah. out of your system. Yeah, gotta go. Do you mind me asking what you ate? 
Oh, we were at Chinchins. Oh. <laughs> it was for a friend's birthday, so That's and a it was good a, break. <laughs> it was. I've never been there before. Yeah. I mean, the food was great. There was probably oyster sauce yeah. and fish sauce, yeah. so all those colours and yeah. preservatives. Yeah. That just I don't have, and I feel like I'm a kid that's on some sort of sugar trip. <laughs> oh, it's so funny you say that. Uh, Chelsea and I went out for uh, dessert. We went out specifically for dessert last week. Oh, I think it was this weekend. Yeah. Um, we had dinner here, and then we were sort of just like, let's just go out. And I haven't gone out in a while. So we've gone out to a dessert bar in Brunswick Street. And um, we got waffles and ice cream mm. and hot chocolate. And on the way home, we were like mad <laughs> eight-year-old kids on a sugar high. <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't realise when we were in it, we were just like crazy, like swimming <laughs> and just doing real weird shit. And all of a sudden, it just like went back to normal. normal. And Chelsea's like, did we just have a sugar high? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd never experienced one of those consciously yeah. until I started cutting out sugar. Yeah. I was probably going back like eight, nine years ago now is yeah. when I started cutting out sugar. And we went out for a high tea, my family and I. I had to drive up to, it was in the city, I think I was driving towards Yarrawonga Way. Mm-hmm. And, man, that was a fun drive. I was just, yeah, singing, <laughs> talking to myself, being like, wahoo! <laughs> And then halfway through, I'm like, why am I doing this? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. It's not oh, like I could drive about so 200 funny. kilometers an hour and just overtake everyone. <laughs> but isn't that sad? That's what people are having to go to work and concentrate with that don't understand or haven't experienced the other side of it. Yeah. So I strongly encourage everyone to at least do some form of sugar detox yeah. or pick one of the, the evil dairy, sugar, or gluten. Mm. We could go to the next level of being gluten as a lectin mm. as well. Out lectins, which is pretty hard, yeah. so maybe you should go dairy. <laughs> <laughs> so, out of curiosity, what do you eat for breakfast? I feel like it's a really important meal of the day, um, and obviously, a lot of people rush into work, wake up late, mm. quick shower, quick eat, and off you go. And I guess that's even lucky if some people do that. Sometimes people just have a coffee and go, yeah, and, you know, don't eat till 10, 11, 12, which can be all right for males, like yeah. I was saying before, get a little bit of butter or salt and the coffee and off they go mm. as long as there's no milk um for me my first thought as soon as i wake up food <laughs> <laughs> it's always been like that i get yep. so excited about eating yep. but i do have to wait like about 40 minutes mm-hmm. until i'm really warmed yep. up in the body whether i've been outside have my drink or just breathing mm-hmm. um, but my breakfast traditionally are eggs with a little bit of ghee um some sort of fat mm-hmm. i don't eat pork still um i would love to have it but i'll probably go like a meat mm-hmm. um, if i don't feel like having meat might just be some carrots and parsnip just fry them up or yeah. do a low steam um on days that i'm running late it would just be a plant-based smoothie so just a no no fruits or anything like that yeah. just a real plain um, few greens in it and then, yeah, protein, cacao, anything with cacao always tastes good. A bit of cinnamon, yep. some sort of plant milk that doesn't have any um, emulsifiers and thickeners in it. So I tend to make my own just with the nut spreads and just add some water, okay. and salt. Yep. Yeah. Um, what else I've got going on in the cupboard? <laughs> Pine pollen something I've been really big yes, on lately. Yes, that's something you messaged me about. Please, please tell us more. Yeah. Um, so as far as I understand, pine pollen, 
is a really good um, help for the hormonal balance, which is everything that I'm working on. It's really good on spike protein, yep. helping out that side of it. Yep. Um, won't delve too much in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like great for libido, just balancing out so many different mm. uh, elements of our body. Ship a bomb out of a slip. <laughs> just That's run right. it out. But yeah, people can look yeah. up what's what yeah. pine pollen is good. I'm taking it for my stomach and my my endocrine system, and um, others might. For females, though, I was reading up on this a fair bit, and you do have to space it out a little bit okay. because it is such a big testosterone booster. Right. You don't want to have um, just go by what your body will tell you, or cycle it every couple of days. Whereas the males can a while with having like a quarter of a teaspoon every day and then see how they feel for a month mm. I'm sure that you will feel stuff because <laughs> it is a libido increase yeah. <laughs> uh, there you go. I'm currently taking uh, um, bio A and CRQ10 CRQ10 has got magnesium in it and um, so CRQ10 just briefly is targeting the mitochondria in the body mm. so replenishing the ATP stores so the main benefit is more sustained energy during the day, but um, what my body has really loved is the magnesium in it, and it's well proportioned. So uh, my sleep has been so much better um, since I've been taking that. So initially, I started taking that in the mornings when I first woke up. Um, probably the last month now, I've been taking it uh, in the late afternoon, if not after dinner. And it's been fantastic for me. Mm. Uh, is there anything that you're like sort of consistently supplementing at the moment? Yeah, magnesium as well, because yep. I have a gene that undermethylates the ability to turn um, folate to like a methylfolate. So my thyroid and B12 tends to be quite low. Some MTHFR, I don't know if you're familiar with that gene. So it might be something for you to look into yeah. as well. We've got many genes that can be altered. Um, from our parents, so both my mum and my dad are undermethylators, so mm -hmm. I've got a double up gene. Thanks, guys. <laughs> but I'm working on it and trying to bring that in. So basically, for me, it means that I am less fertile yep. from a base point, like have higher chance of miscarriages and just not conceiving. Um, also, irritability, brain fog is a big thing. So mm -hmm. having to take active forms of yeah, B12 and um, folate or um, yeah, methyl folate. So it can be put into the body and actually help with my DNA um, synthesis and, and replication. Nice. So otherwise I don't heal as well yeah. or things are just a little bit slower. Yeah, yeah. and these are all just trial and error really. Yeah, I hope to not have to be on it for yeah. long term. My yeah. goal would just be to have a biodynamic soil-based diet. Not eating soil, but eating the vegetables that grow from it. And as a kid, I wouldn't put that past you. Yeah, <laughs> and then just going out and having, um, getting the minerals from the yeah the samba deer or the fellow yeah. or yeah. I think deer will agree with my body quite a lot before. Yeah, and sticking away from bovine. Yeah, yeah. Oh, when this might be a little bit um, too much information, but when Dad and I are hunting deer up. Mm. And you look at the texture of the meat, and it is polar opposite to the meat that's bought at the shops. Mm. Just so crisp, and even it just smells like grass. Like it's mm. it's clean. You can mm. smell it. Um, well, they're organic. Yeah, fully organic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, 
do you did you have to learn yeah so like i said dad's been doing that for maybe 20 25 years deconstructing the animals deconstructing, like i say yes yeah. um so yeah i've just learned off him yeah yeah making bone broth with the bones um or does jack get that yeah usually jack gets gets the bones yeah yeah he's usually first in line he's just sitting there watching <laughs> watching the process <laughs> bone broth is something that i've been yeah. going hard on especially with my increasing of running Okay. And I had an ankle injury after our retreat mm. that didn't go away until probably a month ago. So mm. what's that been? About seven months. Wow. Yeah. And I just had to go hard on having that collagen and that mm. um, made sure that my MTHFR was was traveling along all right and yeah. that it wasn't spiking too much there. Mm. Um, but bone broth is something that I can't uh, yeah, recommend more. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, you touched on the retreat and I touched on it earlier. Did you want to um, just explain, I guess, from your point of view, um, your experience in that in that week that we had? So just briefly, uh, Michael Barrar and Troy Simmons hosted um, a retreat at uh, Torquay in December. Uh, I think there was about 12, 12 of us, something like that. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, the beauty about that was we all came from completely different facets of life, um, but we all had a common goal. And um, that was exemplified in their um, tagline, if you will, which was many mountains, one, sorry, many paths, one mountain. Um, so, yeah, if you want to just give us a bit of a debrief on your experience, things that came across, things that have stayed with you since then, um, yeah, it'd be cool to hear. Mm. The biggest thing for me was being surrounded by like-minded tribesmen yeah. and women. Oh, yeah. yeah, I stepped away from most of my high school and childhood friends and I've really narrowed that down, as most of us do at this age, end of the 20s. Um, you start to really bring in those that are going to bring most value, vice versa, to you to, you to them. Um, so being surrounded by like-minded people was just amazing for a week. Mm. And really being able to have conversations that were so interesting that weren't just small talk. You delve into the deeper stuff. But what I noticed when I walked away from that retreat was how synthetic of a world we live in. Yeah. So when I was driving back, like advertisement signs, lights, yeah. all that side of it were really so obvious. Um, and I've never looked at it in, in that way. And just to be, yeah, just, it really honed in on that okay, this is your next step, um, both physically and mentally. Keep on walking with that, with these people around you. Yeah. Keep on, your your vibe will attract your tribe and that's how you're going to keep on stepping upwards yeah. to, where I, to where I need to be, um, to give, to be able to give to myself. Um, I learnt a lot from that. I, I, it's so difficult to explain as you would mm. feel uh, what went on during that week, but it was very magical, very empowering, mm. and definitely got me thinking of things that I never probably would have had I not been exposed to it, yeah. especially some of the stuff that Mark um, spoke to us about, the, the gateless gate. Mm. <laughs> so I don't know how to explain that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's difficult to be to explain because it's not in the realm of conversation. It's We're, we're entering uh, awareness and consciousness, and in short, the gateless gate is the stage of being able to sit on either side of 
pure awareness, consciousness, connected connected to all living things, their undivisible, unlimited awareness, and to still be able to you know assist people in seeing that. Um, and it's as I said, difficult to talk about because talking is a product of the mind, and consciousness is not not necessarily a product of the mind, but the mind is a product of consciousness. So to be able to communicate that is literally impossible. Mm. The mind can't come to terms with consciousness because it only exists in awareness. Even the way <laughs> you explain that, I love it. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's it's hard to explain. Yeah. It really is. And um, it's something that's really interest interests me, non-dualism and um, it's when people when I have conversations about it, it's like I don't really know how to begin here because you're just living it. Um, and Matt McAvoy spoke about that in a few uh, agendaless dialogue sessions we've had. And it's like, how do you communicate that message with other people who are interested in it? And it's like, well, you just live it. You just live purely. And it's really, in my opinion, the only way you can communicate that message. Now, in a, let's just say, professional standpoint, People want to come to you and get results. They want, like, you know, they go to a physio to get fixed. They go to see a specialist to get this fixed. But when people come to this and you say, I don't have anything to give you because you already have it. And my job is purely to do the pointing and to unveil that is what is already there. Uh, people get a bit shocked by that. And it's just like, what do you want about? Like, yeah. You know, I already have it. It's just like, there's a really nice analogy where it's like going into a dark room, pitch black room. Um, you're looking for a torch to illuminate the room, but the torch is already in your hand. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. In my line of work, when a patient comes in, you're just, you are the guide to their path. Like you're just one point, one little marker. Mm to just keep showing them where their path is to become healthier, to heal, to keep going on their journey journey as well mm. and to keep learning. So I've slowly been bringing into that. Mm. Um, I yeah, I admire the way that you explain that. It's a thing with me that I my learning and my expression is through acts, physical, mm -hmm. um, drawing, showing, moving. So I really find it difficult to explain, articulate myself. Mm. So thanks for sharing that. <laughs> no worries. I'm about to say it times. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on it. Um, but what really has sort of unpacked this experience, and um, I am currently in a state where pretty much all my learning is coming through experience. Um, and personally, I think it's the highest level of learning. Um, but in saying that I've been reading a lot of John Klein and I would recommend uh, anyone to buy his collection um, just on Amazon or I don't think you'll be able to find it in any local bookstores uh, but he's got a collection of eight books and he writes with with true beauty and, and unpacks a lot of these ideas um, so you know I'll give you an example the, the book of listening probably took me three months to read because you read a page and it's just like yeah, I'm sure. those books are powerful, aren't they? <laughs> it's like you just put it down. Usually, like realistically, I'm reading eight pages at a time and I'm probably having a nap after it. Yeah. 
<laughs> I've only had one book like that that it took me you know, about half of a year to get through, yeah. and it wasn't that deep. Yeah. <laughs> but it just felt like I had to, I'd either just had that experience that day, mm-hmm. or that had been something that had been brewing for the last three years. And then I was just, it, it was explaining it back to me really well, and I'm like, well, I'm just going to sit with this for a bit. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's the beauty of unpacking. You just you don't have to get stuff straight away. Just let it sit with you, and it might come around in two, three, four, five weeks, and it clicks, and it's just like, oh, I see it now from my perspective. Like I've read about it, but and I understood it like theoretically, but I didn't really get it because I couldn't see it. And it happens to you a month later, and it's just like, okay, this makes sense now. Um, so another interesting thing that we have obviously communicated about is um, past life interactions or experiences. Um, I know it's something that you connect with quite deeply, so yeah, I'd love for you to explain. Yeah, my first experience of past life regression where a um, therapist or someone will take you down that journey. When was that? Probably back in 2012, so it would have been about 20. Yep. Was I? 19, 20. Um, and, yeah, they, they just did, like, a meditation with me and then they just were able to put me into a state of hypnosis where I could easily just get up and walk away, but I didn't want to because I wanted to keep learning mm-hmm. about it. So I opened up a really big can of worms, but I feel like before I get into this, you have certain triggers in your current life for those that believe and um, feel that this is true to them or things to them that these triggers right you might have a, a relationship and that will trigger something from a past life that then starts to bubble up and mm. it can be an emotion you've never had before or something starts to happen in your world that you need to deal with and you don't understand why it's happening until you step into that past life understanding and, and getting that help very often you'll need a, a practitioner to guide you, like a Reiki practitioner or a um, holistic counsellor. So they're probably good places to start with. But for me, um, uh, I feel like I have run around the earth <laughs> a fair few times. <laughs> um, I'm quite new in some realms, but other times like I, I feel familiar. Um, so... My first past life regression was I walked down some steps and just basically went into this world where I was this woman on the ground, hysterical, and it was a really weird thing to um, experience, but I was so heartbroken in my chest mm. and couldn't understand. And this man came over to me. This is like going back into 1600s. That was the time period that I could feel around me just by everyone's dress and um uniform and the housing construction as well as well around um and this is so interesting to share <laughs> anyway this this man i just I was heartbroken this man had given me a note and i wrote uh, sorry i read what was on written on the note and it was about my son who was i i think around 15 years old and he'd just been killed in battle and i was completely heartbroken and my um, husband had been the one that took him off to battle with the clan so putting it back to that it was more up north um i didn't know at that point that it was in scotland until stepping into scotland physically but i from that life i'd 
barred myself from having more children because right. I was so upset because yeah. I'd lost my son and that was like the first beginning so it was really short sharp and abrupt and I came out of that and I was like oh, I didn't like that <laughs> to my <laughs> Reiki master and she was like okay we'll have to do some healing on it and then coincidentally I when I actually got over so it was about a month before I left to go to Scotland to live for uni over there and this guy that I met he's like oh yeah I work part-time in um, Paul Williamson I, I work part-time in Glasgow where I was going to be living of all the places in the wow. world yeah. and Australia and I've met him in a convention here in Melbourne and so I teed up a time with him an appointment when I would get over into Scotland in Glasgow mm. and he took me down the rest of it which was a lot more peaceful because where I'd left off with my Reiki master was so abruptly um, traumatizing mm -hmm. sure. <laughs> yeah and he got me to go through the rest of that life and I just turned into this sulky lady that was just so I used to go down into the um, township I was sort of like the lady of the town with her ward <laughs> and I'd go down into the town I was really happy to be around people and then after my son died it was not like that and yeah. I just became very dark and um, eventually I died and my son came and collected me and he had me in his arms and wore we uh, gliding over meadows going towards this big ass sun <laughs> light <laughs> and then all of a sudden I just uh, fell out of his hands and, and I went into this black abyss wow. and I was just standing in there and Paul was like Paul asked me have you crossed over into that next life of yours and I was like no I'm in this black space I don't know what this black space is and he's okay this is where you have left those emotions, you need to pick them up and, and make peace with them. And that was the barring myself of having more children and, and being fertile. And But this is, I come from a, just a side note, I was very masculine when I was a young child, mm -hmm. very tomboy, mm -hmm. and it took me until this part to then start to bring up my femininity. Wow. So that was a trigger for me in the current life that I've lived was to step back into that feminine um, emotion and, and vibration by healing that and when I did I was able to then go into that um, next life with this it, it got pretty whacked up <laughs> this like yeah I don't know who want to share that but this this man came down with his big top hat but he was kind of like Pinocchio he was a cartoon man in 3d it got a little bit warped and um, then I went into some more lives and they were, they were normal like just yeah. a little bit later on in like 18 and 1900s and even um just before my birth here in 1993 but that was a, a huge one for me to understand that my right. original past life regression that's where i feel like the biggest trauma happened and i'm sure there's stuff i've still got to learn from before that um but that's how i yeah, came into understanding past life connections i don't know if you've had that where things you haven't recognized in this life um have then set off new emotions and new thoughts that you're like where'd that come from or why do i feel an attraction to that connection to this place mm. um, it's really important to make peace with yeah things that you've left behind because you'll just keep they're lessons that you mm. just keep bringing through next life to next life to next life and it's a repeated lesson until you learn it and you acknowledge it. Acknowledging is the biggest and most powerful part of it yeah. to yeah. live at peace. Yeah, for sure. That's some pretty crazy stuff. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's um, truly extraordinary stuff. I personally haven't had any uh, experiences 
mm. as you've just mentioned. Um, there's obviously, this might sound a little bit weird to say, but when you sort of feel like totally comfortable or familiar in something that is actually, um, let's just say, not native to you in this kind of like environment, mm. um, that definitely has a, a reason to me, let's just be like, say, you know, traveling or um, nationalities that I've come across and I've been like, well, like instantly drew onto that and be like, this is cool. Um, I constantly joke with, well, not just my partner, but a lot of people around me that I was definitely some Southeast Asian man in my past life. I could say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, living up in the mountains, um, not much talking. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's a super interesting realm that I definitely like to tap, tap into. Um, so yeah, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, Paul Williams a great man to start with. Paul Williams, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, we might wrap up today. Mm -hmm. Just like to thank you for sharing the space today. It's fantastic to have you here. Uh, if anyone wants to get in contact with you, what's the best um, place to communicate? Uh, either my Instagram, Health Systems Go, for my business, or jumping online to the website, healthsystemsgo.com.au. Probably a great way to start. And there's all my email contacts there send me a message and it doesn't always have to be about feet or knees <laughs> it can be about anything health wise yeah. i don't know everything I'm still really fresh in it but i definitely can put you onto people that yeah. uh, you know a lot more and can send you along your journey because that's the biggest thing is i respect having a great network mm. the more people that i know and learn of myself yeah anyway we'll leave it there thank you very much um to everyone listening thanks for listening and uh, we'll see you next week cheers